Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, here we are in Can 22, and it's uh, not so hot today, which is uh, hugely relieving, but there's a, possibly a few sore heads around the around Can with uh, the parties last night. But we have a great panel to wrap up what has happened in Can this year. Um, with us today is, from my left, is Adam Ferrier, co-founder at Thinkabell, Mim Haysom, CMO at Suncorp, Rachel Page from Yahoo, and Matt Tyndale from LinkedIn. Now, it's, a, it's been a huge week, lots, the first year for CAN for, what, three years. So we're going to talk to the panellists about what they've seen at CAN, what their expectations were, any learnings, any interesting stuff, and of course the work. And of course, last night, uh, Mim Haysom and Suncorp pulled off the, the big Grand Prix Award for in, in, in innovation. So we're going to talk to Mim about that. She's probably had a few champagnes last night, but um, still showed up and has got some things to say. So Mim, we'll start with you and, and, and well done. Everyone's uh, a great piece of, uh, a great achievement and a great piece of work. Um, how are you feeling? <laughs> well, I sound terrible, but I feel fine. Um, yeah, we're, we're just so excited. It was a really special night last night, sitting in the Palais amazing brands, creativity, you know, the company that we were in with the work was just so humbling and I, I couldn't be more pumped and everyone back in Australia has been so excited and been so supportive. Well, so it's, it's possibly awesome. the first of a few, right, Mem, because you you've just taken out the Grand Prix and in Innovation, but you're shortlisted and a few others. What are those two? We'll know this in about an hour's time or an hour ahead of schedule. There's a press yeah. conference very soon, which will know whether you're actually even more of a superhero, but just the other categories that you, you're shortlisted uh, So in. One House, which won the Grand Prix, that's also shortlisted for sustainability, which is tomorrow tomorrow night. Uh, and then Amy, we did a campaign called Rest Towns. That's also up for three awards tonight, which is media, uh, content data and insight and data-driven targeting. Well, so. you really could be a superstar. We may need to get your autograph. But just apart from uh, winning all the, all, all the metal, um, first thoughts on Cannes this year. The expectations coming in, it's, it's been off for two years, obviously, with that thing called a pandemic. Um, a, little bit of, you know, a little bit of discussion prior to and the lead up to this is as to what was Cannes going to do? Was it going to be any good? What's your sense so far or sense f- through the weeks, um, Mim, on that? Yeah, well, believe it or not, I've actually never been to Cannes before. Oh, really? And right. so this is my first Cannes. And so uh, I was coming in expecting lots of great content, networking, thought leadership, and it's absolutely exceeded my expectations. Like, there's so much um, so much amazing content and so many great things to go and see and hear and learn about. I actually can't get to all of it. That's the worst no, part about neither, it. None of us can collectively, yeah. actually. That's the problem. <laughs> Did you see Ryan Reynolds? I did, up okay. close and personal at uh, Wall Street Journal House. He was like as far oh, away as you are. It was well, very exciting. you're special, aren't you? <laughs> well, so the standout sessions, what, did, what, did, what came away from you from so far? What have you seen and what did you think was, um, was of interest? Yeah, well, I, actually, Ryan Reynolds really excelled my expectations, exceeded my expectations. He was amazing talking about brands and storytelling and he made a comment around um, brands having the best IP but no film to carry them. Um, when he was describing the power of brands as storytellers. Um, he was really impressive and intelligent. 
Um, another session I saw was with the founders of a Russian TV network called right. Doz HD TV. Um, and a few years ago, they basically got exiled out of Russia um, because they were all about free speech and transparency and, and they left their whole lives, including all of their papers and everything. Um, and they were asking for support um, for and, and, and pushing the, the importance of free speech and journalism. It was, it was quite an emotional, intense yeah. session, but really, really interesting. I mean, there's been so many. I think the, the, at one stage, the Ukrainian president dialed into a session yeah. as well. So it was sort of that, all that stuff was happening. Um, uh, any other things that, um, you know, in terms terms of what you might take home to your team and, and, to, and to your partners in, in Sydney, Mim, about, you know, we've seen everything from, you know, diversity has been a big, huge uh, um, trend, uh, theme this week, um, sustainability, we see some um, just coming in right now, we've seen Greenpeace uh, protesting, basically blocking the Quasette with a big ladder over the banner saying, you know, fossil fuel advertising rack off, essentially. Um, so th that's probably not surprising, but, you know, sustainability is a big theme. Have you seen any of that? What do you take from that? Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot of that. What's really struck me is so much of the work is um, really focusing on using creativity to solve really meaty social issues and problems and creating impact that way. And I think some of the most powerful ideas are actually the simplest. Um, and so I think that, you know, that idea of creating impact um, thinking about your purpose, thinking about the problems that you're trying to solve. Um, if it's more basic than that and it's day-to-day -day, you know, business challenges, um, simplicity is what shines through really and makes the, the great work that connects with audiences. That's what mm. I've sort of seen as a theme around... Uh, well, even Suncorp fits into that with with your One House project, right? It's sort of, it sort of sits around the sustainability and, and purpose thing, and that's a very big theme this week in Cannes. Adam Ferry, I might just ask you: you were also at Ryan Reynolds, um, and, and you you were you were marginally impressed, I think, you know, even though he was a sort of a Hollywood dude. He is. He's kind of a quite a charming, glib, almost superficial kind of chat. Uh, his scenes, but he's. You know, obviously amazing. I'd, I wouldn't, shouldn't say he's superficial, should I? He just seems so beautiful and so perfect. Yes. Uh, well, not not dissimilar to yourself. <laughs> uh, thanks. But um, I thought I thought it was fantastic. I thought what he said. I love the IP comment, um, and I love that framing for, for brand owners to kind of think of their brands as some, as some inherent value in, in what it's about. But I also liked his kind of comments around speed and being keeping up with culture and. The fact that advertising is so slow and it takes six to 12 months to two years to make stuff. And by the time you've made stuff, the culture's already moved on. He also said necessity is mother invention. I really, obviously, I really like that. So having low budgets, having no time, creates really good work. Then you compare that to the gaucheness that is the Cowan Lions and how much money is here and how much, it's just like a big, it's getting really, really big, right? And it's getting really, really gauche. And, um, uh, yesterday I was, I was walking past the, um, it was quite late, I was walking past the Google YouTube tent and there was about 30 people watching Kylie Minogue play live in this mm. exclusive kind of tent. I thought, oh shit. So anyway, so that's a long way away from necessity. So I like the scrappiness of Ryan Reynolds and I like comparing that to the gaucheness that's here now. It's interesting you say, you know, he says everything's too slow, but Mim, you, you're, you're the antithesis of, of, of pace in what you've done with One House. It was, this is a three, four year project, what you did with One House, right, from the get-go of an idea. So in that, in that case, it was almost like a slow food movement. It was a slow cook in terms of what you did there. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what your objective is and what you're trying to do, I guess. But yeah, One House was 18 months to produce and, and then in market, you know, for, for a year. And now we've built on that with the next iteration of the campaign. So that was a slow burn. But if you're going to innovate and actually prototype, test, learn, 
um, innovate again, then you need a bit of a lead time. But I think, you know, what he's talking about is a lot of the best ideas that really resonate are the ones that are sparked by a cultural moment. And if you're playing in that space, you've got to be quick. Yeah. Rachel Page, um, you, um, you've been off off-site, really. You've been one of those that have been working the, the beaches and not in the Palais. Um, tell us about what happens on the other side when you're not inside and, and there's, a, there's a whole new, another world out there. What have you seen and what's been going on? Yeah, um, there's a lot of steps going on out there. So <laughs> yes. amazing content and this is the first time I've been in this building the whole time because there's a whole set out there full of hotels and marquees and beaches um, with media owners and and uh, the tech guys um, doing the client stuff. So networking and connecting after a few years. So it's amazing to be back. I don't think Khan has skipped a beat from when right. I was here a few years ago. I was going to ask what were your expectations coming in and did they, did they line up? Yeah, absolutely. I think every time you get a different experience here and you can't do everything, so you have constant FOMO, but it's just an amazing sort of beautiful, chaotic, organised mess from one end to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you just try and do as much as you can. I did a lot yesterday, for example. Um, but we, we entertain clients. We've got a majestic rooftop here that we do some meetings in and some panels and so forth. Uh, and then the other end of the beach, we, we have a beach, Yahoo Beach. Uh, so we do lots of panels down there and meetings and lunches and so forth. And, and last night um, we had uh, Fatboy uh, Slim on the... Uh, on the tunes until all hours this morning, which was pretty amazing. Um, so, Rachel, what are you what are you hearing? What are the conversations with with brands, marketers, media agencies? You're, that's where you've been um, sort of involved and in having the, having the, the activity, if you like. What's the conversation? What is what is was holding fort? Yeah, um, not dissimilar to what we've been talking about already. Um, the purpose purpose driven marketing. Um, I feel like we've come out of the pandemic with a lot more empathy and that is driving then the purpose, um, appreciation of the world and trying to look after it a little bit more and particularly after the last couple of years. Um, so I think there's a lot of that discussion. I think there's a lot more, there's a lot of curiosity about what others are doing. So everyone's coming to sort of hear ideas and you know, what is the conversation and what are brands and marketers and agencies thinking post pandemic. So coming with a lot of curiosity, open ears. Um, so that's kind of the, you know... And, and doing deals. And Have doing you done deals. some deals? Yeah. Well, that's what we do when we get home. So right, we just, okay, we, building we, up. We build the conversation, we tell the story, we have some fun at the same time, but I think... Um, no, it, it really, it's amazing to reconnect with people. The, you cannot underestimate face-to-face, reconnecting with um, not only your clients here, but your colleagues globally as well, which we don't get to do that often. Um, so it's been brilliant in terms of engagement and just getting to know people and building back those amazing relationships because that that, that's why we're uh, in the industry. That's why that's right. we're in the Matt, industry. Matt, well, Matt Tindale, you, you, you've come into CAN. What, what were your expectations of CAN and what have you seen? And, of, of course, you know, LinkedIn's been big and around the, the B2B category this year. So tell us a little bit what, what's um, your perspective. Sure. So we have. Uh, not first time here. I've been here a number of times before. Uh, and exactly the same in a really good way. You know, great content, I think what everyone said, really good content. I think the reconnection, coming back and seeing people you haven't seen for a long time, uh, and just that excitement about the sort of face-to-face has been uh, palpable here the last week, which has been a big part of it. Uh, from our perspective, you know, what's been exciting for me uh, as well has been B2B really, you know, arriving on the main stage. So first time we've seen 
uh, real recognition of Better Bee creativity with the Better Bee Lions, which has just been fantastic. And uh, it's been... Boring, might be getting sexy. Is that what the, I think the uh, Better Bee is sexy, but now people are starting to realise it, which is, <laughs> is a good thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of a makeover. Uh, but it's been a big uh, week for Better Bee generally. Um, had a keynote the other day that was uh, fantastic that really you know, talked about the next wave of iconic brands likely coming from the Better Bee category. So if you think of... Um, say a service now which is a market cap of about 59 billion uh bigger than ford and ferrari so these are the brands that not uh, known. that are not known not that known. are not known uh and hopefully we can entice you know great creative minds to work on these brands to really build them into the iconic sort of brands that they could and should be which has been fantastic um, other things uh takeaways um the changing landscape of advertising and creativity generally. So when we look at sort of talent trends, uh, you've seen that there's been this massive shift over the last five years um, in tech skills, hard tech skills, uh, increasing almost 50%. And actually, conversely, creative skills decreasing by about 20% over the last five years as well. So the almost techification, if you like, of uh, advertising and creative industry. So those, those skills you talk about, is that based on, on what, where people are going to companies and what they're looking for? That it's kind of... share of skills. So we looked at LinkedIn data. We also looked at uh, data provided by Carnes Lines as well. And we saw over the last five years in the advertising industry, when you look at all the skills that make it up, uh, you've seen hard tech skills, data, coding increase by about 50%. And you've seen creative skills, um, design and like, actually decrease by about 20%. So this is real shift um, in creative and advertising to sort of techification, if you like, um, and it's uh, really taking up a bigger share of the industry. There's a bit of a call to action to, to checkmate that because it's not all about the tech, right? That's probably the issue here that's important, but you need creative skills and more. Yeah, it is. And I think it's uh, enticing or exciting um, creativity around the next wave of brands, and I think that is in Better Bee brands as well. You know, nine of the last uh, 10 biggest IPOs in the last couple of years have been Better Bee brands, brands that people don't know about. So, uh, you know, really um, making it enticing, exciting for creatives to get involved with these brands and hopefully build the next Ford, Ferrari, McDonald's, Nike um, out of the Better Be category. I reckon, Adam, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just reckon just to build on that, I think one of the interesting trends, if you think about the, the techification of Khan and, and the creativity as well, I reckon there's a kind of a, an effect going on which I call the Fernando effect which is basically just the boom of gaming and creativity within gaming platforms because people need to understand the platforms but they're still massive uh, massive things for for, um, for creativity to flourish in and so just at the I just had a quick look downstairs and I just looked at I think sexism's been tackled in gaming uh, dyslexia whole lot of different issues being tackled within the platform and what I also like about that it's not purpose for purpose sakes, but there's a context to the purpose. So you can stop bullying in the context of gaming or you can stop sexism within the context of gaming. So if you take the context of what you're tackling, you can make the purpose actually quite meaningful rather than just you know, putting up these kind of glib, stunty things to draw attention or raise awareness of, of bad issues. Mm. You can actually uh, tackle it. Well, that's what, in talking to some of the others uh, around the, on the streets, um, there's this, this sort of theme that's been observed where purpose is a little bit more pragmatic and practical um, this year. So there's less putting the shingle out and saying, aren't we great? And I think it fits right in with what, um, with me and what you've been doing with One House in that you do before you say and get some, get, get the action happening and then talk about it. And that was a theme that's come through 
a lot this week as well as is it even in, in the work that it's less shouty shouty and a little bit more um, doing before saying it sort of fits in with what, you've, what, what One House has been doing right with the gong you haven't you've done some work first done the action yeah, and I think um, that's something that's really a consideration for brands um, that, that want to play in that space, right? It's got to, whatever they do has to be really purpose driven and be really authentic. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of conversation now around um, sustainability, climate change, even recently in the election, you know, we saw how much Australians are starting to care about those things. And I think the watch out for brands is you can't just jump on the bandwagon and say it. Um, you actually have to, if you're going to, to do work um, in that space, it has to be core to your DNA. Um, otherwise, you're just kind of greenwashing. So, I, I, you know, I think it's fantastic that brands are using creativity and innovation to solve big global and social problems. Um, but whatever they do has to be core to their DNA or consumers will call them on it as, mm. you know, it's a bit of bullshit really yeah. um, because it, it's got to be authentic and true to the brand's core. Matt's, Matt's t um, sort of uh, data, Mim, around uh, creativification and technification or techification of it. So basically the tech skills versus creative declining, tech up decline. Is that in your teams and what do you make of that? those, um, those trends in terms of jobs and skills? Uh, is it for you? Have you seen more data? You, everyone's, all marketers are looking for more data and tech and analytics and so forth. How do you balance that with creative and does that sort of match what you see in the market? Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely huge demand for, you know, data analysts, um, architects, all of those things. There's huge demand um, and we need them more now than we've ever needed them because we've got more data than ever before. And, and the, the thing that we're all aiming for is how do we use that data more efficiently and effectively to create meaningful and relevant connections with our customers? Um, so, so there's definitely a demand and an increase in that. I think when I'm thinking about how I build my team, I always, I always also put the lens on it of, I are you a creative thinker? Are you an innovative thinker? Not just having the core functional skills, it's a mindset as well. And, and that's how I approach building out my team and, and, and the capability that we bring into it. Uh, are there many of them around? Uh, it's a bit of a unicorn, but yeah. you know, I think you, you can find it, absolutely. Uh, the other thing I think is that if you've got you know, great creative thinkers, you can also upskill them into some of those other areas if they're of interest to them. So I don't think it's always that you've got to bring things in. It's looking at the great talent that you've got and thinking through what's the right next role for someone and mm. how you upskill them into some of those areas. How are you going with the talent, Rachel, on this? Because you, you have, you know, Yahoo's got sort of studios where you're doing augmented reality, virtual reality. So there's a, there's a sort of a tech and a creative crossover there. Um, is what, what Matt's data is saying, does it, how does it fit with, with Yahoo? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's definitely a shortage. We'd love some um, fresh talent into the country, you know, and, and to keep that going. But I think in terms of, um, I agree, in terms of just get, getting those soft skills is really important. So um, spending time with a person, going through the process, not rushing the process. We can all rush, you know, recruitment, but you've got to get the right, um, fit the right person with a mix of skills. And the other thing is, you know, just making sure that you have got those, um, you're attracting talent through things like being a purpose-driven company. So we have Yahoo, Yahoo for Good, um, which is in our DNA, and that's, and, and that's part of our recruitment process is, um, you know, our, our candidates come in and, and they want to work with uh, purpose-driven purpose companies and be involved in that from sort of the ground up. So uh, it's not easy, but you can find them if, you, you know, if you're patient. Um, and then, again, soft skills are super important. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this up with just a little bit of an um, a, uh, outlook on what's happening economically. Um, so Mim, I might start with you on this one as, as well, which is that you know, if, the, if, if we're looking at the prospect of at least a contraction in growth in the economy and perhaps a recession, maybe not, 
What does this mean for, uh, for the market, for both um, marketers and what they do with their budgets, where they spend it, uh, and also you know, what, what you think is going to happen with this big talk that we've had for years now, a number of years around the, sh the long and short of it, um, investing for the long term, performance driven um, activity, marketing activity, it's important but it's been too heavily weighted. Will we revert back to short term as the, as the, as the economy sort of starts to get some pressure on it? What's your sense? What are you thinking? What are you planning for? Oh yeah, there's, there's a lot in that question. Yes, yes, it's loaded, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, oh look, I think um, if there's an economic contraction, we're seeing all the inflation coming through. We know it's going to happen. It's um, it's going to be a 2023 problem, uh, not a 22 problem. Um, I saw Wendy Clark speak yesterday, and she said she'd done some research in America, and 63% of Americans said they were planning to restrict their discretionary budget, but they were not yet doing so. Um, so I, I don't think we're seeing the impact of you know some of this constriction coming through just yet. Um, I think the impact is going to depend on what category you're in. Mm. Um, so if there is a downturn, I think things like grocery, well-being, beauty, they're going to do well. We've seen that happen historically. Um, I think it's things like entertainment that will suffer. They will be the, the, the discretionary areas that people restrict in. So I think it's going to depend on what category you operate in as an organisation as, as to how you should be planning for that. Um, I think what we all have to be mindful of is, is the mindset of the consumer and, and understand what consumers are thinking. They're going to be value conscious. They're going to be looking for brands that are providing a true value exchange for them. Um, so that's what I'm thinking. In terms of do I change my split of my budget? Absolutely not. And I never do. Um, uh, my hope is that we've proved through uh, COVID and a pandemic and, and challenging times, most brands, a lot of brands, actually started spending more because they saw the value and the benefit in investing in their brand um, for the longer term and that you need to be there. Um, being. So you think those lessons have been learned even uh, through COVID? Look, I hope so. I mean, I haven't got a crystal ball, yeah. Mac, but um, I would hope so. Yeah. yeah. Um, Adam, what's your sense on that? What's going to happen, um, you know, and, and also I'm interested, you know, with, with what Matt said earlier about sort of the startup brands being the big ones. You've been doing a little bit of work in and around startup, startup uh, brands and taking them into brand building uh, faster than just sort of the, the, the growth hacking notion that's been there for tech for a while. So combine those two questions, but sort of the, the, the economic um, outlook and what you think is going to happen and what you think is going to happen with sort of some of these startup brands as well. Um, I, I just can't believe over the last few years um, how, where, how resilient the economy has been uh, as we've gone through a global pandemic. It's right. kind of amazing, right? And so I... Um, I have to be careful because I start to sound um, kind of out of touch, but there's so much money in society now and in, within our culture that what does a recession look like when, the, when there is so much wealth already in the economy? And you know, look around here and how much wealth is being spent after two years after a pandemic. So I don't know what a recession looks like compared to the 70s or so on. So I think it'll be... Uh, I can't. Sorry. Anyway, so I think I, I I don't have a crystal ball. I think it would kind of be smoother sailing than the word recession kind of right. implies. Uh, but I also come back. So to... So just on that, though, you're a consumer psychologist. Do you think the psychology of the consumer or the, uh, the, has changed through the next might change through the next contraction, where there'll be more resilience or a different thinking on spending? Well, I think we're coming from a higher base of wealth. Right. So I think a recession before came from a lower base of wealth. So therefore, it had more people being impacted more negatively. But now, if it means I, I got one less streaming service during a recession, yeah, that's okay. Right. Um, as long as it's not binge. Yeah. Um, uh, but um, so then the other point on how marketers 
I don't. I think Mims is exactly right. I don't think marketers should necessarily change the principles of their marketing, no matter if it's a recession or not. I think it's still. I love Byron Sharp's quote around: you take your entire marketing. You, rule number one: you spend as much money as you can on marketing. Rule number two: you divide that by twelve and spend a twelfth of it every month. And I kind of think that general principle will still apply. Um, yeah. Well, in your client portfolio, do you think that, that they are sort of similar to MIM and that they're going to hold ground on investing, continue to invest in brand and, and not sort of knee-jerk back to some, some different I, ratios I on, on demand generation? I don't know. I know that we, we have this whole conversation around the long and the short of it. I don't think it's dichotomous as that. I think it's the long. I think you can have, we have the one piece of communications that does both. It's both you brand can, building right. and activation or whatever to generate sales. So I think... You know, we, we're getting more and more sophisticated and clever in terms of what that means. So not as binary as what, what we may interpret it No, I, I, I think that's, yeah, no, not at all. So yeah. as, long as, it's all, as long as you're doing brand building communications all the time, whilst doing whatever you can to generate actual sales, then that will still continue. You know, it's not going to be a massive shift. I think, I, I, I don't think everyone's going to pull it out of brand building activity and try to go into performance. I think we're kind of getting more sophisticated than that now. That's pretty healthy, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's great. I think the, the knowledge that marketers have developed over the last five, five, ten years is phenomenal. Mm. And so I think, you know, marketers have got their feet more firmly on the ground when coming to a recession. They're not going, oh, shit, we have to pull up brand building activity or whatever. But they know that's uh, probably silly. Matt Tindale, what's your sense on the economic conditions and what um, what it looks like for, for, for the market and for, and for LinkedIn, I guess, as well? Sure. So... Um, the conversation we've been having, people are, are nervous, they're definitely nervous, but don't really know what they're quite nervous about yet. There's, uh, you know, very, very tight labour market, so, you know, record low unemployment, um, it's really hard to find great talent, so on one side, and then you've got inflationary pressures, market volatility on the other side, so people are, are definitely conscious about it. Um, I think, when I think about sort of B2B as well, it's sometimes less discretionary than consumer, um, so people have to spend in it. Um, there's an opportunity for brands to, you know, get high share of uh, wallet and um, high share of mind with their marketing over sort of downturns as well. So it could be a really good opportunity for many brands to, you know, continue to invest uh, even, um, you know, at normal levels and actually steal market share. So I think uh, there's definitely uncertainty there, um, but uh, there's but not a, a freak out yet. Sorry, not a freak out yet. Not quite yet. Yeah. No, no. yeah yes. Um, so the time frame, Matt. In the next three months, do you think you'll see sort of a, a sense on it? Yeah, I think people are, are planning for it now. They're, they're watching what's happening. They're listening to the market. They're talking to uh, you know, investors and consumers and what have you. And they're really sort of uh, taking stock on it, planning for it. I, I really don't think it's 22. I think it will be more of a 23 uh, area. And, and people are waiting to see what happens with the market. Yeah, Rachel Page, your sense on on, 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 the, on the market sentiment? Yeah, so um, agree, 2023. We're not seeing or hearing any you know, changes to budgets um, at this point. But I do think it's, you know, we've got to be confident with all the information we do have, all the learnings from the last few years, um, what we can get through and with the headwinds, how we, we get through this together without, um, you know, uh, reacting. So I, I think we're going to be a less reactive market. I think consistency is really important. Uh, rather than jumping in and out. We've got some amazing, you know, sort of marketers that are backing themselves and it's got a consistent long-term plan. So if we can stay on course and on plan, keep the confidence up and learn from the last couple of years, um, looking at the economy, as Adam said, incredible the way we've got through it, um, we can sort of get through anything. And maybe, maybe to that point, it's not a question of heading into a recession, but it's during these times, how are businesses trying to 
migrate their businesses into more pro-social business models and kind of taking advantage of a circular economy and kind of moving into clean energy. And I reckon that's probably the more interesting macro mm. challenge than how they're going to deal with, um, you know, six to 12 months that weren't quite as good as the previous yeah. two years. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, there's can nearly for another, uh, another year. Uh, we'll be back, um, uh, back on the hustings on, on the street in, in, in the coming hours to see what happens with, uh, with Mim and the rest uh, on, on the awards. But uh, Adam Ferrier, Mim Haysom, Rachel Page, Matt Dintale, thanks for joining and um, look after your heads. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.